thank you for joining us today for today's podcast. I'm your host, Kim Hicks, Vice President of Business Development with the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing. Today we have our guest, Michelle Carl, who is with our Diamond Partner Ability Network. And Ability is a great support to a pack-in. They are our premier sponsor for our 2021 conference coming up in April. So thank you so much, Michelle. So a quick little introduction to let you all know about Ability Network. They are a leading provider of cloud-based integrated software applications to the long-term post-acute care industry. Thousands of skilled nursing facilities across the U.S. rely on Ability applications to deliver meaningful insights and drive their performance improvement efforts for high-quality care and optimal clinical and financial outcomes. This comprehensive suite of user-friendly tools helps SNFs prepare for surveys, improve star ratings, reduce costs, optimize reimbursements, and enhance resident quality of life. So I'm going to let Michelle tell all of you a little bit about herself before we jump into our podcast today. But I did want to let you know that Michelle not only works for Ability Networks, but she also plays the part of a nurse hero on the weekends by still working in a SNF. So she brings both experience of still working in the trenches, so to speak, to really to helping all of you um, at Ability Network. So Michelle, thank you for joining us today. I'm going to pass it on to you and tell the story of a little bit about your experience, and then we'll jump into our topic today, which is one of my favorites because I'm pretty much a data junkie, and that is the QAPI process and clinical quality management. So thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Kim, and thank you so much for uh, allowing us to be sponsors for a pack. And we really do enjoy all of the material and resources that you put out there for our long-term care nurses. So a little bit about me. I've actually been a nurse for 29 years in long-term care. I started out as a certified nurse's assistant. I have been an MDS nurse. I have been a RAC auditor. I am RAC certified through ANAC. And on top of that, I still work in everyday care. So I completely understand the QAPI process. But the thing about it, though, is before I really go into our QAPI thing, I want to first tell everybody thank you. Thank you for being our heroes for our elderly. They really are appreciative, even though you don't think so, because they do have someone who really cares. And it takes a special person to really work in long-term care and manage the elderly, especially with the fragile um, outcomes that we have sometimes when we work there. So currently I am working with Ability Network. Right now I am a clinical sales engineer where I provide education to the sales team. I work with the skilled nursing facilities to achieve the right technology solutions. And I also work with our product management team so we can give you products that's really going to help you in the back end so you can spend more time with your elderly. All right, perfect. So let's jump into our topic today. So my first question for you with, you know, healthcare really looking to have that continuum of care model, how can we manage our processes? You know, the continuum care model doesn't surprise me. They've been trying to move to this for many years. Even when I was working in a long-term care facility, you know, it's always 
you know, trying to get all the information from the hospital so you can really have the best outcome for your patients, for your residents when you get them in. And sometimes that's a little bit hard, but we do know that the continuing care model has always been coming. So really and truly to manage your continuing care model, you really need to manage your QAPI process. QAPI is critical to the operation of improving your ROI and is made really to look at the care outcomes. The process really has to ensure that you have comprehensive data-driven approach care. What that means is we all know how to take care of the elderly, but we also need to make sure we know how to document so our data is very driven so we can, in the back end, have a strong copy process. Another way to really be prepared is looking at that plan and following up on those discharges to communities. So when the hospital discharges them, they're discharging them to your SNF facility. But when you discharge them, you're hopefully discharging them to a home health or someone to really manage them when they return home. Where the lack of communication usually happens is when that resident goes home, no one from the SNF facility ever calls and checks up on the resident to see if home health really made it out there or to see if they even had a way to go to their doctor for the follow-up or to get their medication. It's really important to manage all of your discharges by just a simple phone call. Set up a process where someone can contact the residents a few days after they discharge. And then ensure that they picked up their medication, that home health has been established, and that they plan to see their primary care physician. What this is going to do is this is going to reduce those rehospitalizations in the back end because you now know what's going on. Now, I'm not going to tell you that it's going to work miracles and you have no rehospitalizations when you send them home, but doing a checkup call can show excellent customer service, allow you to see how the resident is faring since he or she left the facility, and then that follow-up call can become essential in establishing that copy process, especially during COVID, where the resident can be isolated in their home with no means of receiving care right now. So your copy process, it starts in the facility, but it also has to continue that continuum care model. That's where you're really going to achieve. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. I definitely agree. I feel like with COVID and the pandemic, it's more important than ever for those follow-up calls because like you said, there's a lot of people that are probably you know, steering clear of bringing potential infections to their loved ones when they discharge home. So super important. So tell us a few ways we can drive clinical quality management. Well, you know, we all get tired of hearing resident-centered care planning, resident-centered planning, but believe it or not, that's where we need to start. So it begins on that day of admission, but to be honest, it actually begins even before they admit into your building. Because what do you do? You receive a call from the hospital, they send you over hospital records. So you start looking at those hospital records. Since diagnoses are driving several aspects of the resident's care, you might as well start there. And believe it or not, not only are diagnoses driving the resident's care, but it's also driving your payments nowadays. By looking at those diagnoses and start planning what the residents will need and gathering that care plan and manage those residents is really going to be the key. I always tell everybody you have to think of it, and believe it or not, I 
don't care for NFL football, but I do love some college football and high school football, but you have to have a game plan. So when you get those hospital records and you look at your game plan, these are the diagnosis. This is what we need to provide. This is how we need to provide it. This is going to assist with that quality management and that quality care. And that's really where you're going to create that plan of care, which will optimize the person's self-defined quality of life, their choices, and their control. So looking at you know, what you need prior to getting them, setting up those diagnoses, and inlining your documentation is really going to be a strong aspect. Self-determination through meaningful exploration and discovery of unique preferences and needs and wants in these areas include, but not limited to health and well-being, relationships, safety, communications, technology, and resources. All of this is going to be important when you look at your resident center of care. So how are you going to make sure that the family members still maintain that relationship? Because when they lose that relationship, your resident gets depressed. How are you going to make sure that you have everything that you need for the resident's well-being and their safety? It's all starting from that before they ever come in the building. We all investigate and we all make sure, but the thing about it is enforcing it. So the person must make informed choices and lead to development, implementation, and maintain a flexible plan of care. This is where you're really going to support your PDPM model. But on top of this, this is where you're going to support your patient's quality. So knowing if they need a larger bed, knowing if they need certain equipment and having it there is really that's where the center plan of care starts and that continuum of care. If your hospital sends the records, you'll be able to drive the quality because you're going to know ahead of time. Perfect. So... Lastly, for our last question today, I want to talk about the public health emergency and really what are some ways that we can effectively manage those discharges? You know, this is really a strong topic. Matter of fact, CMS just released something yesterday regarding public health emergency, and we're all going to really become pros at managing the pandemics and public health emergencies since this has happened. But the thing about it is in 2019 with the pandemic and the All Hazard Preparedness and Advanced Innovation Act, it requires SNF to take in account the public health and the medical needs at risk of individuals. The problem is it's not only at risk of individuals of your residents, but it's also at risk of individuals of your workers, your staff, anybody that comes into the facility. So we really have to have a strong plan when it comes to that. So with the health emergency, there's a plan using the communication, maintaining health, independent support and safety transportation. What that basically means is at risk individuals are those with access to functional needs, temporary or permanent. They may interfere with the ability to access or receive medical care during or after the disaster of public emergency. So earlier I was talking about making that phone call, making sure that they have access to everything. This is really part of your duties when you talk about how we can help with the public health emergency because we need to make sure that they're able to receive that medical care before or during and after that public health. So we have to look at their functional needs, describe the broad set of common and cross-cutting access, and then the requirements. 
of the diagnosis, the status, where they stand, and actually can they take care of themselves. We also have to look at the requirements of the individuals, such as your social service accommodations, your transportations, your medications, and maintaining that health. So in our facility, it's really easy to maintain all of that because we have a little bit more access. When we send them home, it's a little bit hard. And the, the elderly get scared, especially going home alone right now with the isolations going on across many of the United States. So we really have to make sure that they are strong and that they can manage at home so we don't get hit with that public health emergency where we're supposed to be managing them. So what does that mean? Maybe means that they stay in your facility a little bit longer. But look at the function-based needs and look at what their limitations are and then look at their social needs. Make sure that we have everything for them. With our elderly, we're doing a great job managing all of their needs. I know that several facilities have purchased iPads just so they can have that social aspect with their family members. We've got telehealth in buildings. You know, there's so much that we can do when we have them in our building. But we also have to look at them on the outside. This is why SNFs must effectively manage their discharge and follow up on the residents even after leaving the facility. Great information. I agree. I think that there's so many great facilities that have really become so creative while they're in the facility with the social isolation, but it's more now to be thinking about when they leave as well. So a lot on everyone's plate right now. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate it. This was great information. And, you know, we've been talking about Quapi for years, but it's just getting, I think, bigger and bigger and so important to keep those processes in place, especially now during this pandemic. And hopefully we'll all be developing great new habits to carry with us after. Exactly. And unfortunately, the pandemic has really opened everybody's eyes on how much processes in facilities matter. Um, They always have mattered. We get federal tags for them, but now we're really having to really strict our processes to make sure that we can take care of everyone. Thank you so much, Kim, for inviting me to have this podcast with you. I am so excited to be a partner with you here at Ability Network and with APACN. So uh, together, I'm hoping we can achieve everything. And thank you, everyone in those frontline workers. Thank you for all you do for our elderly. Absolutely. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You're invited to refresh, renew, and refocus at the APACN 2021 virtual conference this April 14th and 15th and April 21st and 22nd. Get ready for the new year and entirely new type of virtual event. Registration is now open. Members of ANAC, AADNS, and APACN save 50%. Learn more and register today at aapacn.org.